0: Welcome to the podcast of RUF at Boston University. Tried to kill all the babies uh, of the Israelites. So this is not a safe place. It's not a happy place at all for Israel. They um, really have no Time and time again, fear is met. It's His heart is hardened. And finally, this tenth time, uh, the curse, the plague that was predicted at the very beginning, comes upon the Egyptians. And finally, the Israelites are let go. I don't know if it's you guys, but it's been really a hard, heavy-hitting week or weekend uh, in the news reading all what's going on, um, in these times, and it's not just this time, but right? it's so many different times, like our part a short lifetime, right, that we have revenues per God's going on, seeing this, and maybe they directly affected by what's happening in our world, and we want two things at once, we want justice, and we want peace. We want justice, and we want peace. Um, tonight, we're going to look at how God brings both, He brings justice and deliverance on the same day. It comes from His hand. Uh, that He is both a God who has the right to judge because He is perfectly just, there is no uh, ill will in Him, there is no capriciousness in Him, He is perfect and righteous and good. There is no one that is more pure than Him. E of all things. Firstborn. That's kind of a archaic traditional notion. To be I'm the firstborn male in my family, but I don't is. I don't, is or is or uh, they don't really care about that. Uh, American culture is highly individual. This has been said for so me to some time you probably hear that, and probably recognize that maybe the other time, but we really can't escape the reality of our interdependence. Uh, we want to be considered on our own merit,
1: right? No one can go and take that exam for you,
0: otherwise you're cheating, right? We want to be uh, considered on our individual merit, but we have to realize how realities around us and environment, the upbringing, our background, all affect us. We can't escape interdependence. For example, when you apply to DU, you were assessed on your academic merit as an individual. But you were also considered or your background or uh, whether you're a first-generation college student um, all of these things are important and should be to your acceptance here to you right another example baldness <laughs> it's genetic right you're interdependent if your dad is involved maybe you will go bald my dad is not bald so i'm praying, I'm praying. Um, uh, an Atlantic article recently said that the single most important, this is one article, right, so, but there's some data that goes up, On i a, a parent, i a four-year-old, a 3 year old uh, The single most important decision a parent can make. Did, that, did I have one? Right. Yeah, I uh, started reading the article. Okay. I probably described for some sort of, you know, monthly you know, trial or something, um, is your neighborhood. Which neighborhood? you raise your kids in, the interdependent relationships that they have because of the neighborhood, because of the school you go to, or because of the, the literal neighbors next door, those interactions greatly affect the long-term success and even uh, longevity of your children. This is true in our uh, family lives as well. If you go to the same high school with an older sibling, and that older sibling, is bullying. That's gonna kind of greatly affect how you show up to school that first day of high school. Huh. Right? You might be even like, I gotta change my last name. <laughs> uh, I wish I didn't look like my brother or sister, right? But these things affect us, even though we live in this individualistic culture, we are inevitably interdependent. Right, in our families, in our genetics, uh, in our relationships, in our know, societies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, traditional cultures, were much more ensued with this interdependence. Um, in fact, the firstborn son was such a big deal. Um, it might be a, a concept <clears throat> completely foreign to us, But in the Egyptian culture and the Israelite culture, it would be known that the firstborn son matters. In fact, some actually matters more than the other symbols we believe that. And that's not just outrageously wrong, right? Um, but in this traditional society, the firstborn son represented the heir of the family's wealth, uh, the occupation, uh, the hopes of the family were kind of placed on the firstborn son. They, they represented their siblings. They therefore had some sort of authority over them. They had higher responsibilities. I mean, the firstborn son was I mean, a big deal. a big deal. Now uh, remember, uh, the blessing, there are these two uh, twins, Jacob and Esau. They're fighting over the blessing. They're twins. Okay, who's going to get it? Like technically one came off first, this is actually the one that came off second, Jacob. Esau came in that Israel. That is called the firstborn son, of God. He was pleased with They So all of this background really helps us in our 21st century context to recognize the profound effect of this judgment that God brings on Egypt. His promise to kill the firstborn male. In Exodus 4, um, he warns there. The very beginning in Exodus 4 he says, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your first-born time." Nine different slaves. Who knows how many months, weeks, he had a chance to let the Israelite people go, and he knew that eventually his first-born son would be killed as a result of his decision on the specified night. God would send his angel, the destroyer, the angel of the Lord, to fill the firstborn son of every household in Egypt. It was the last place. This has been a signal to Pharaoh and all, all Egypt that God differentiates between his own people and those who are not his people, that he does not kill indiscriminately. He does not kill indiscriminately, but executes his justice perfectly. It's in the message to all that God is God of his. It would not be lost So enjoying the firstborn represented the condemnation of all the people who failed to bow to God, that their future hopes were crushed. And at the end of um, in, in 13, I believe it says the Egyptians go to help and rush the Israelites out of the country because they said if the firstborn has been filled, that means we also are about to be filled. It was this kind of representative headship that it's Started there, then it must be trickled down. God's judgment is coming. Through. It can't be that. Get out of here. Um, it also says that the first one would be told of every household, whether it was in the house of the Pharaoh or in the dungeon. It would be regardless of social status or class. There would be nothing uh, of earthly means that could make it miserable to God's judgment. Um, it, it, is, it is equitable. It is fair. Admittedly, it doesn't really feel good to think about it. This is hard. We're good. we good. bad news first. But getting to the good news. So don't worry. Um, I do think it's important to may, maybe we've grown up hearing that story our entire life. Um, it, it, it's a children's story, right? You know, the nose, the nose Ark gets sanitized as this children's tale. <coughs> This boat in the water, right? Uh, I have a loitered you know, uh, pillow in my two year old's room, a on it. But in the water, there aren't any drowned bodies, right? Like, that's horrible. Think about it. Uh, you know, if you have a dark humor, I was expecting maybe a couple chuckles. Uh, it's not funny, <laughs> right? It, it's not funny. But we sanitize these children's stories in our children's storybook Bibles but Exodus as well is as the, the, the horrible tale of God's destruction at the same time as his deliverance. So we're the best. that. I'm giving you the unadulterated, true, and you should pick up the Bible read it for yourself and say my words for it. Um, I'm afraid you haven't taken God's words seriously if we don't come to face the face of horrible consequences. It results in death. God cannot be lost. The Scripture it says that in Adam, the firstborn of humanity, right, he was the first. All that sudden, uh, Our individualistic minds and hearts go, what? what? No, like I can't be, like, held guilty for that man's sin way back generations before him. So then we're asked to look at our own lives. Okay. Yeah, we'd be forced to say. Oh, the apple doesn't fall apart from the tree. As sinners, we will be judged. If we choose to be judged as individuals and we say, I'm with Adam, then we're doomed. And the fate of the firstborn male would also be our fate. But there's good news. I hope no one has to leave right now. <laughs> <laughs> you really gotta stick around. Stick with me. What's the good news? What hope do we have? Well, we have the salvation of the firstborn of Israel. Mm-hmm. We have the salvation. Israel is God's firstborn. God's firstborn son. And it is Israel, the Jewish, the Hebrew people, and all of their households, which is said to be a mixed multitude. And we can go into that. I wish we had more time to talk about the mixed nature of this multitude that there may have even been Egyptians that have become a part of these households, that may have even been other people from other countries that have been taken out, with the Israelites. Uh, it is through them um, that all can be saved. It is through Jesus, rather, that, that all can be saved. But it's there. But how are they saved? Well, all the households of Israel are told to take a lamb, fill it, take a bunch of hyssop. I don't have sit around the house, but apparently, you can use it like a paintbrush, dip it in the blood of that land that had just been filled, and paint it, if you will, on the side of the door, over the top, and look at these here, and the two posts and the lintel. Now all three sides surrounding this door, this entrance to this house with blood of the land. And if this angel sees the blood over this door, they would pass by. They would pass over. They're given instructions on how to cook the land. They're not to boil it, they're to roast it. They're not to break in it in with bones, which is important to the And they're told how to make their bread down any 11, So if you've ever made bread, any sourdough, COVID bakers out there, uh, you have to wait a while, right, for it to arrive. It doesn't happen instantly. My way for somebody making Pumpkin bread, I think we have that. Um, um, but they were told to make it without leaven and they were told to eat it like with their belt buckled, they're you know, they're like ready to go, they have their backpack on. Because they were about to get out of it. they were about to leave. And sure enough, this great cry goes up in the land. There is not a house in Egypt where someone was not dead. Not even though Pharaoh summons up this emergency meeting of Moses and Aaron, and he says, up, go, all of you, get out. He finally heard. He says, go. And the people leave. Finally. How are they safe? A lamb died in their place. Actually, there was indeed a death in every house. There was blood that was in The blood of the land, the blood of the, the, the gives life for the lives of those in the house. let see where I'm going. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the prophet Simeon said, finally I've seen salvation. Finally, our deliverance is here. When John the Baptist saw Jesus, so even when he was a baby he left his mother's womb but when he saw him as an adult he said behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world here will be the lamb that will be slain and it will be his blood that will cover the sins of his people the night that jesus was betrayed he had a needle with his beloved disciples he took bread and he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. And he broke it and he gave it to them. And he took a cup of wine and he said, This is my blood, just given to you. And do you imagine how bizarre that's what been, that's what like at this must have been the at the time? Little did they know that Judas had just left. He was about to be uh, betrayed. He was about to be betrayed, arrested, tried, the next day, crucified. But the time when the soldiers go around to the cross, they would break the prisoners' legs to make sure they died. When they came to Jesus, they didn't have to do that. Not a bone in his body was broken. Mm-hmm. Just like that lamb in the Passover lamb. None of the bones were broken. As they were instructed here in Exodus 12 and 13, every year since the Jewish people have celebrated the Passover as a memorial. And I have had the the privilege of sitting with uh, Jewish Christians, if that's uh, possible, it it is, it is, it's really cool, uh, to be able to sit and uh, have this meal, and it's this way to remember, to go through these stories and prayers um, and eat this food that reminds them the bitter herbs, the, 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 the wines, the, the unleavened bread all of it to remember the Passover but there's more to it than just a memory right? but I think it's a reality for all those who believe in Jesus in 1st Corinthians it says, as in Adam all die." the firstborn in made Adam, as in Adam all died So also, in Christ, the firstborn of the new creation, his church, the new Israel, so all shall be made alive. Jesus is the firstborn son of God. He's our hope. He's our salvation. This is the gospel, that we are sinners sinners deserving death, deserving justice but by faith in Christ we are passed over because of his blood. Several years ago here in Boston I heard this sermon, and it stuck with me ever since and then the preacher took us back to that Passover night and through the, the description he described what it might have been like. Can you put yourself in one of those songs that has the blood over the and on the it didn't matter whether there were, you know, the house was full of people who were sleeping that night. I probably wouldn't uh, It didn't matter whether or not those people uh, had strong faith and were just sitting in that house, praising God, singing hallelujah, finally, our, our salvation comes. come. It didn't matter whether there were some people in that household. That might have been mentally ill. They might have been disabled persons. They might have had feeble and weak states. There might have been people in some of these households who had terrible days and were struggling. All that mattered was if the blood was on the door. Friends, let this be an encouragement to you that if you are a stumbling Christian, if you are a of Christian, if you are stumbling who so struggles with doubt, struggles so with fear, struggles so with depression, struggles so with feeling like God doesn't love you all the time, all that matters is the object of your faith, Christ, not the strength of your faith. Isn't that amazing? You're putting your entire life on the promise of God to save people through His blood and mm-hmm. the Jesus. That's it. That's it. That's the core of Christianity. It's not about how awesome you are, how many good things you did this week, how spiritual you feel during the worship songs. It's about who your faith is, uh, is Jesus, It's Jesus. God, I hope this makes your heart break. For, for yourself, right? For yourself. But also for those who don't believe. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know Jesus. My oldest sister doesn't know Jesus. Boy, do I pray for Without a doubt, I know. You know people who don't know Jesus. Who don't have the blood on their door. I pray that God breaks your heart for them and that He gives you the boldest and courage to say, Hey, we heard about Passover. Have you heard about Jesus. It's not about being a good person, it's about knowing Jesus. His blood has covered all our sins. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we can sing for joy because we know that because you are our firstborn, we are part of your household, we've been adopted into you, that we are safe, that we are secure, that we can sing our hearts out. Uh, because you are with us, and you are our protector, and you are near.
1: Lord, we pray that uh, the people in this room
0: and all members of RUF and all believers on this campus and in this city, that their hearts are ready for the loss. Lord, they would go out and tell the blood of Jesus that has been shed for them, all they have to do is believe, put their faith in the one who is slain for us. Lord, so we pray for strength and faith. We pray for deep faith. We pray for a sense of security, a feeling of our dependence on you. I say to you, I pray this do Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.